Welcome to Lucky Episode 13 of the Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build an online business, work less, and live and give more. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Thanks for hanging out with me for a bit today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about one of my most favorite topics, which is earning more while working less. Not a fan of working a ton. That's not the goal of this podcast. I'm never going to tell you to just 10x everything you're doing and work a crap ton. No, I want you to be strategic and increase your profitability while reducing your hours in the office so that you can live more, do the things you want to do, and give more resources, time, attention to the things and people you care about. Super, super important. And today, what I want to talk to you about is a pathway to doing that uh, and show you that there's actually a few different ways to earn income. And the way you're earning your income, the way you're making your money uh, might be holding you back. And you might need to earn your money in a different way to be able to have more freedom in your life and to be able to work less in your life and actually scale your income up even more. So this is going to be very practical. We're going to dive in to a super, super awesome topic. And a lot of this is going to be new to you if you've never read any of Robert Kiyosaki's material. And if you have read any of his material, then this will be a good refresher for you. And Robert Kiyosaki one of my favorite authors, primarily because of his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I've reviewed on the site. Just go to grahamcochran.com and check it out. It's a fantastic book. It's billed as a personal finance book, but really it's a book about entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's one reason why I love it tremendously, about finding ways to go out there. Don't rely on a paycheck, but find ways to go out there, add value to the world, create money out of thin air, because that's what entrepreneurs do. Okay, so love that book. Robert's follow-up to that book was the book Cash Flow Quadrant. Now, true story, when I was in college, there was a, a loose buddy of mine who went to a different school, but we continued to bump into each other um, through a connection of music, which is really cool. Uh, and this guy, he, he was in college, but he was like ahead of his time. He was already building businesses and very entrepreneurial. And I remember him saying, Graham, you got to read the, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad for sure, but then Cash Flow Quadrant. And I was like, Cash Flow Quadrant? What the heck kind of book is that? It sounded so boring because cash flow sounded like an accounting term. And that sounded boring. And quadrant sounded like math. And I was a little burned out on calculus. So I basically said, thanks, but no thanks. Turns out this buddy has gone on to start a bajillion companies and he has like houses in multiple states and he snowboards and travels around and starts companies and he's super generous and super creative. He's super high energy. I don't know how he does it all, but um, he's very successful at what he does. And he was onto something back when we were still 20 years old. Um, years later, years later, again, everything changed for me when I lost my job and had to start a business. And I realized I need to read everything I know about business. Restumbled across Robert Kiyosaki's work and the cash flow quadrant. And this book was a humongous eye opener for me. It is the simplest concept. You don't even need a whole book to explain it, but that's true with a lot of books. But the book is worth reading. So go read The Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. But what I want to do is explain what the cash flow quadrant is to you today and how it's actually going to be an eye opener for you and help give you a pathway to making more and earning less. The cash flow quadrant is. And in the book, and if you see any of Robert's stuff, he literally draws like a, a cross, okay? So there's four then squares. Imagine a 
just a box of four squares and it's a quadrant, right? And there's four different corners. And so it's a diagram that represents four different methods that we make money. And I'll just quote him on this and then we'll break it down and this will be helpful for you. He says, uh, the cash flow quadrant represents the different methods by which income or money is generated. For example, so there's four of them. There's an E, an S, a B, and an I. E is in the top left corner. Below that is the S. And in the top right corner is the B. And below that is the I. So E stands for employee. And that's an employee who earns money by holding a job and working for a person or a company. Very common. S, right below it, stands for self-employed. Self-employed people earn money working for themselves. Makes sense. Up in the top right corner is B. B stands for business. So it's a business owner who owns a business that generates money, which makes sense. And we'll, we'll get into the difference between business and self-employed in a minute. Uh, and then I, the bottom right of the quadrant, stands for investors. And investors earn money from their various investments. In other words, money generating more money. So again, imagine for me and with me, you got four little boxes, a box of four boxes. In the top left is the E, or employee. Bottom left is the S, self-employed. Top right is the B, business owner. Bottom right is the I, investor. So most of the modern world makes their money in the top left quadrant, the E quadrant. They're employees. This is most common. You work at a job, whether it's a high-paying job, so, for example, you could have, you know, my first job, I worked at a bagel store and I cleaned dishes and eventually I made bagel sandwiches. I was an E. I was an employee as a teenager. Okay. All the way up to Tom Brady, who's it? Five times, six times, how many Super Bowls has he won? I'm losing track. Um, six time Super Bowl winner, quarterback for the National Football League, the New England Patriots, makes a lot of money, right? upwards of 20 million a year, he's still an E. He's still an employee of the New England Patriots organization. Make sense? So those are both E's. I was an E working at a bagel shop. Tom Brady's an E working for the, the Patriots. And Tom might also be other things as well. We'll get into that in a minute. But that's the most common way we earn a living. And it's the way the system is rigged and I use rigged, it's a little dramatic, but it truly is. The education system, the media, it's all centered around raising good, hardworking ease, employees, okay? And what's funny about that is that employees need an employer. They need a business owner, which would be a B, to employ them. Uh, but we do not have a system to train business owners. So we just, all of us little E's, all of us employees, just hope and pray that they're jobs. Hope that the president can make more jobs. The president can't make more jobs. I mean, yeah, he, there's things that he or she can do. Who makes jobs? Business owners make jobs. So the president can create a culture or an economy that facilitates more growth for business owners, stimulates incentivize business owners, which people hate for some reason, but then, hey, where are you going to get your job from? Anyway, I'm getting political, but you know, everyone is all about employees. That's how you were trained in school. That's how I, was, how I was trained. Get good grades in school so that you can get into a good college or university. Why should I do that? So that you can get a good degree. Why? So that you can get a good job. 
be a good E, a good employee. That's all I ever knew. That makes sense. So that's where most people earn their living. A lot of people, and you might be one of them, I was one of them for a little while, shift out of an E. They say, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to work for myself. That's valid argument. And so they move into the S quadrant. They become self-employed. So a lot of times what people do is they go into business for themselves doing the thing that they used to get paid to do for someone else's business. And so now they are a business owner, technically by definition and by the way the IRS looks at you, you're a business owner, but you really just still own your job. And this is where a lot of my students are. They're they're self-employed. They might be a solopreneur. So a modern version of the cash flow quadrant, the S could stand for solopreneur. Um, they work for themselves, but they're they're working the same amount of hours they worked before. Uh, they might, a lot of times they're working more hours. Honestly, they're working more hours because A, they're passionate about what they're working on, which is cool. And I get that tension, but B, they feel the pressure to make it grow and grow, grow, grow. So they're just hustling and pushing and pushing. And I hate that. I hate that because that's that's like giving your life away, Okay. So really, they're not much better off than an E or an employee. The benefit is they're working for themselves. And the benefit over E is you start to get some tax benefits, some tax breaks. When you're self-employed, you can write off a lot of expenses. So like this laptop, okay? When I needed to buy a new laptop last year, I can buy this for my business, which means I spend the $2,000 or $3,000 or whatever it is pre-tax. So it still costs me the same amount of money. Technically, Apple doesn't care that I'm a business owner. They still charge me the same, but I buy it before I pay taxes. And so that reduces my taxable income. And so then I basically get a a tax deduction for buying this laptop, which in essence is like getting this laptop on sale. So if you're in the 25% tax bracket and you buy something for your business or buy a laptop for your business, it's like getting it for 25% off because I spend less taxes because I didn't earn that money anymore. I was able to write off these business expenses before my taxes. So that's one of the huge perks of going into business for yourself that can save you a ton of money. And I've talked about whether you should be an S-Corp LLC type entity or sole proprietor. If you're interested in which one of those, if you go into business for yourself, check out grahamcochran.com or the YouTube channel about my thoughts there. All of those are good examples of still being an S, self-employed. Again, the benefits of earning income on this left side of the quadrant, where you're an E or an S, is that it's the easiest way to earn an income. You just got to go find a job. If it's a decent economy and there are jobs, you don't have to build anything yourself. You can just go get a job working for someone else. Or if you're starting your own business, you just got to find some clients and just you push your way through. And I'm not trying to minimize the hard work of starting a business, but it's relatively quick and relatively easy to start earning some income. Like when I was a teenager, before I could work at the bagel shop, when I was like still 14 or 15, I just printed up flyers around my neighborhood saying, hey, I'll cut your grass for like 15 bucks or something, whatever it was. I had my dad's lawnmower and gas and all I had to do was pay him back for the gas. Uh, and he let me borrow the lawnmower and go around the neighborhood cutting grass. I, cre- I created an income stream as a 14-year-old just by p- printing off some flyers. It's not hard to make an income. Now, it wasn't a big income, but I just needed to buy video games. So it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal. That's the left side of the, the quadrant, B or E's and S's, excuse me. Um, here's the negative, though, of being on that side of the quadrant. And this is where most people are. You work a lot of hours. You work a lot of hours. If you're an employee, you're lucky if you're only working 40 hours, but you might be asked to work 50 or 60, or you might feel the subtle pressure. No one's asking you to, but they expect you to because they promote the people who 
show up early, leave late, hustle for it. And if you want to grow, you feel like you got to keep up. And so you're working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Okay. The same is true. You move, move from B or excuse me, E to S. You move to the self-employed quadrant. You're a, a, an accountant. You have your own accountant practice. You're a lawyer. You're, you know, you have your own, you're a, a doctor. You have your own medical practice. Well, now you might be working even more. You might be working 80 hours a week. There's a lot of lawyers that are working 70, 80 hours a week. They make good money, but they work a lot. That's a huge negative. The other negative on this side of the quadrant is that you're taxed at the highest rate in America. In America, you're taxed at the highest rate if you're an employee. And still you're taxed pretty high as a self-employed person. Employees pay what's called ordinary income rates, ordinary earned income. So that's your, you know, you say, what tax bracket are you in? Are you in the 25% tax bracket, 33% tax bracket, 35? I mean, they just kind of changed recently with the Trump law, what, you know, what the different levels are, but whatever money you make, if you're in the 33% tax bracket, federal, that's not even counting state, if you have state income tax, um, you go make $100,000 at your awesome job, but then $33,000 are taken out for taxes. Okay. That's really high, really, really high, especially as compared to the quadrants on the right side. We'll talk about those in a second. Um, and then as a self-employed person, yeah, you get the tax breaks, which are much better. You can spend on stuff to grow your business, advertising, equipment, right? Travel for things. Um, you can spend before taxes, which is great. So that reduces your taxes. But the problem with being self-employed is that you have to pay uh, what's called FICA, right? Um, Social Security, Medicaid, all those things. When you're an employee, that's a 15 point whatever percent tax. That's not federal income tax. That's in addition. That's Social Security, Medicaid. Everybody pays it. But if you're an employee, your employer pays half of it and you pay half of it. I don't know if you even know that, but you only pay seven and a quarter or seven and a half percent or whatever it is. And your employer pays the other half. That's an expense to them to hire you. When you work for yourself, you pay the full 15 point whatever percent it is. So it's an added tax for being self-employed, which is kind of a bummer. Okay, on the right side of the quadrant, the B's and the I's, the business owners and the investors, these are very, very different ways to earn an income. Let me um, differentiate the B and the S, because this is where people get confused. Well, isn't a self-employed person in business? Don't they own a business? Aren't they registered as a business? Yes, 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 they are. The difference between self-employed on the left quadrant side, and then a business owner, the B on the top right, is that the business owner owns a business that makes money for him or her, right? The business owner doesn't have to work in the business either at all or much, if at all. So a classic example is when you own, like there's the, the, there's the metaphor of I'd rather own the train and make sure that the trains run on time, hire people to make sure they run on time, then actually drive the trains or manage the trains. I'd rather just own the whole train business and hire people to make sure that they run on time than actually drive the trains or make sure that they run on time. That's the difference. So you own the business, you have people in place to do the work, and you could walk away for a year and come back and it'd be more profitable than when you left because 
it's actually a business that you own. It's an asset that you own, not something that you work in necessarily. Now, the interesting thing is these days, the S's and the B's are a little more blended, okay? And I'm gonna talk about the difference and how I want you to sh think about shifting if you're a classic S, okay, uh, in a minute. Um, and then the I is an investor. So if the B is a business owner, you own a business that makes a lot of money, the I is an investor. It's not someone necessarily who owns a business with employees, but it's someone who has capital, aka money, to invest in things or people or ideas. And so you can invest in stocks or bonds or real estate or startup companies or whatever. And your money goes away into that investment and then that money earns you money. So it's different than owning a business. It's owning money that makes you money. So the benefits of earning income on this right side as a B or an I are huge. One, you can earn much, much more scalable income because it's not capped. It's not based off how many hours you work, how many clients you take, how many customers you have. It's not limited to you. It's, it's with the, if you own a business, the businesses can grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. If you have employees doing the job and servicing the people, your, your income can skyrocket. And when you're an investor, it's the same as true. As your capital grows into more capital, you have more capital to reinvest, and that reinvest, it can just grow and grow and grow, and the markets can allow it to grow, even though your time is still finite. You don't have to give it more time. So you have much more scalable income with little to no involvement on your part, which is the whole one of the whole goals of being on the right side of this quadrant. If you're a true B, true business owner, and a true investor, you really don't need to be involved at all or very little to earn income and to earn scalable income. And then icing on the, the, the cake, cherry on top, is that you're taxed at the lowest rates on the right side of the quadrant. So investors are taxed at portfolio or passive income rates. So for example, I think right now I'm in the 35 or 37% tax bracket. So if I, if I earned my money through a job, right, and my actual salary from the business is taxed at 37%, let's say, right? Effect, uh, the tax bracket. But if I earn money off of a mutual fund, stock, real estate, passive income from a real estate, you know, rental real estate, in my tax bracket, I'm taxed at 20%. And depending on how much, if you make less than I make, you might only be taxed at 15%. Or depending on when the tax laws change. But recently, if you make under a certain amount, your, your passive income or portfolio income tax bracket rate would be zero. There's a way to, to pay zero taxes on passive income or portfolio income. So the government treats that type of income differently in the US. So it's taxed less, which makes a lot of sense if you look at a lot of CEOs who, uh, for example, Steve Jobs is a good example for Apple. Um, he he was paid like a dollar salary. So like virtually no salary. I don't know why, because it would have been taxed at the highest rates. He wanted just a bunch of stock. His compensation was primarily stock. I'm oversimplifying it, but that's kind of the deal is give me stock because then the dividends from the stock are taxed at 20% instead of 37 or higher, right? Huge perk. Is it fair? I don't know. 
I think so, because investors and business owners are the ones that prop up the economy. They they generate money and generate business. So the, the tax code is written to stimulate what the government wants to stimulate. Now, some of that can be shady, because I think some of the things they want to stimulate are shady, but that's more politics. The point is that it is what it is. So whatever your your government tax code is, figure out the way it's taxed. And if you want to save money, this is a benefit. I don't know if this is the reason, but if you want to save money, earn better income. Shift your income earning from the left side of the quadrant as an E or an S over to the right side as a B or an I. Corporations are taxed at a lower income rate, uh, tax rate than individuals, high, high income earning individuals. So there's a lot of benefits tax-wise on the right side as well. So let's talk about this path. And literally, what does this actually mean? So all of us typically start as an E. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Get a job, make an income. That's how you pay your bills. That's how you start. You might even be in transition. You might have one foot in the door. You have a job still. And then, you know, like maybe you've taken my passive income workshop. You know, that workshop teaches you how to earn $1,000 a month, your first $1,000 a month in just 30 minutes a day of work on the side. So maybe you have your job and you're starting to create a passive income stream over here. So in a way, you're an E and an S at the same time. If you want to watch that workshop for free, it's at grahamcochran.com slash workshop. You should watch it. It's dope. But you're an E, you're making an income, providing for yourself and your family. That is a beautiful thing. The problem with E's in our culture in America is they they think the way to have freedom in their life is to make more money. So they just want a higher paying salary. They'll jump ship to another company. They ask for a raise. And while those things aren't bad, it's, it's, uh, it's treating the symptom, not the problem. Earning more income, statistically, you're just going to spend it. And even after, before that, you're going to get taxed higher on it anyway. You're going to move up to a higher tax bracket. You're just going to get taxed a lot more. Not that you shouldn't earn more income because it's, We've got these brackets where you're, you know, you're taxed only over these certain thresholds. So you don't, not all of your income is taxed at the higher tax bracket when you earn more. So I'm not saying you shouldn't earn more. I'm just saying that's the only strategy that an E has is get paid more. Okay. They still have to work. A lot of times they have to work harder for it. Not a good strategy. So if you start out as an E like I did, great. Here's what you need to do. Step one is live on less than you make. Be responsible, right? Create a gap between how much comes in and how much has to go out for your bills and your lifestyle. And that gap, that extra 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 1,000 bucks, whatever it is a month that you would usually put into savings and you'll need to for a variety of things. By the way, I'm thinking about doing a, a few episodes of the show on personal finance for business owners. Let me know if you want to see that. But what you need to do is move from an E to an S. You need to get out from working for somebody else if you want more freedom, if you want to work less and earn more, if you don't, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with being an E. But if you want to earn more and work less, the way you do it, step one, is to save some money every paycheck, build up some savings so that you can then invest in yourself and start your own online business, which is the cheapest, easiest way to become an S, to become self-employed. You don't need a brick and mortar location. You just need a laptop or a computer or whatever. You just need a little bit of equipment if you're doing video, let's say, or doing a podcast, 
uh, or you might need to invest in some training, whatever you need to invest in yourself, low cost, super low cost, but whatever, a little bit of savings, or the savings is just to be a cash cushion for you so that you can work less at your job or quit your job altogether and have the financial resources to still pay your bills while you're starting your business so that you have time to ramp it up and make enough money to cover your bills. That's a great reason to save as an E so that you can transition to an S. The moment you do that, now you might be working the same amount of hours, but over time you can increase your income at the same amount of hours. You can also work less right? By following the 80-20 rule, Parkinson's law, all things I've talked about here on GrahamCochran.com, um, right? So you get more efficient with your time. You start taking Fridays off, right? We talked about that a few episodes ago. You can do those things while earning higher income, which is great. And then now you can write off a lot of the expenses in your life. Could be part of a home office tax deduction if you're working out of your home office. It could be a laptop. It could be training, Right? A lot of people, if you buy a course from me, if it's to improve your business, you can write off the expense of buying my own course. How cool is that? I buy training all the time. I spent $2,000 on a course two months ago, but I get a tax write-off on that $2,000. So it basically, it's like it cost me 13 or 1400 bucks. So you can invest in yourself, save money, reduce your taxable income. That's great. That was step one. Now you're a solopreneur or you're self-employed you want to move to a B as soon as you can. Because if you get stuck in an S, you're going to fall into the trap of hustle, hustle, hustle. And if you know me, you know what I think about hustle. I hate the word. It's not a good word. Look it up in the dictionary. Look up the word hustle in Webster's Dictionary. Read the definition and see if you want to use that word to describe what you're doing. I, I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's an awful word, negative word, and also it's just an awful lifestyle. It's not That's not the purpose of business is to just sacrifice everything at the altar of your business and just kill yourself in the name of profit. That's, that's one of the sad realities of Western culture that shouldn't be. America, I can only speak for America, let's just say that. Um, and that's what you can fall into that trap. You can stay in that S quadrant and you're still paying some of the higher taxes. You're going to be working a ton and you're going to be stressed out. What I want you to do is shift from an S to a B. How do you do this? This is step two. Step two is you start to automate a lot of your business. And whatever you can't automate, well, let's back up. First, you eliminate. And hopefully, you're doing that already. The way to work less is to eliminate the stuff that you really don't need to do. Eliminate the clients that are are just draining all your time and energy and aren't really putting a lot of money in your pocket. You eliminate the work that you think is important that really doesn't move the needle. Eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. Always eliminate first because most of us are doing more work than we need. It's not strategic work. That takes a little bit of time to figure it out, a little bit of strategy to figure it out, but eliminate what's unnecessary. And then step two, you automate everything that you possibly can. Email sequences, sales sequences, um, social media posting, whatever you can automate, automate. And then whatever you can't eliminate or automate, you delegate, you hire other people. They don't have to be full-time W-2 employees. They can be contractors. They can be 1099 contractors. I've got a handful of contractors, some that work with me every single week. Got one in London, right? He even has a team. I've got one here in Tampa, but he works at his house, right? And they work for me regularly, 
they're just contractors. They're just doing, they're, they, they might have other clients. They work for me on a specific task that's really, really helpful. And then I have contractors that are just like a graphic designer here or there or some video editing, right? Very, very simple stuff. Other people on my team, I have an accountant. That's a contractor. I just pay for his services, right? So I don't have to do my bookkeeping anymore like I used to do, or even do my taxes. I used to file my taxes because I'm a dork and I like that stuff. It's take too much time. It's getting complex, right? So you delegate. And I'm not a person that wants a huge team. By default, I like to keep things simple. But when you delegate the things that you really shouldn't be doing, it frees up more of your time. And when your time is freed up, then you can use that time and that energy because with work comes energy. So when you're not working, you got more energy to be innovative and strategic and go all in on the things that you are truly gifted at your highest, best use. And that allows you to increase productivity and profits, which allows you to hire more people and free up your time. It's a beautiful thing. So you automate and you delegate as much of your business as possible so that you own the business more than you work in the business. It's not that you can't work or that you may you won't work, although that is possible. But you're much more like a B than you are an S. So in Robert's book, to him, they're a hard distinction. The book was written in the late 90s, early 2000s. You're either self-employed and working or you own a business and you got like 500 employees and you don't have to work in it. I think those quadrants have meshed a bit more. And I think you can be an S that looks a lot more like a B. So I'd rather you, I would say you're a B in that case. So for example, my business, The Recording Revolution, again, requires five hours a week of my involvement. Five hours a week. That's more of like a B, okay? A, a true B, a true business wouldn't require anything of me. I haven't set my business up to be and function in that way. Maybe one day I will. That would be a bit of a challenge, but I've taken it all the way down from 36 hours to five. And that is pretty awesome because the income has gone way up, but my requirement, my involvement has gone way down. And that's what allows me to take time off. For example, last summer, uh, I took the family to France for a month and then I stuck around for another two weeks. So I was out of work for six weeks. Money still came in, business still ran, no problem. And I didn't do a single, I, I checked in for one to two hours a week on my laptop, but the internet was awful in the South of France where I was in the middle of nowhere. And so I basically couldn't work. So to be able to walk away for six weeks and virtually do nothing related to work, that's that's when your business is not less like an S and it's more like a B. Now, step three and the final step is as your business continues to grow, and it will, it will, as your business continues to grow and becomes more profitable, what you do is you shift a percentage of your profit if you're paying your contractors or employees or paying yourself a salary or paying your expenses, you shift a percentage of your profit into other investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, right? Shift some profit into other investments so that the purpose being your money, you earn it as a business, part of that now can earn you more money without without your involvement at all. So, so my wife and I, this is what we do. We take part of our profit. Um, and there's a lot of things we do with our profit. One of the things we do every month is we shift some of it into investments. So we invest in uh, index funds, stock and bond index funds, uh, 
which we can talk about another episode. We shift it into real estate. We have a few properties. And um, that's primarily it right now. What was I going to say? I was going to say something else. I don't do really any single stock investing. There are other times I will invest potentially in another business or a person that I know that needs some capital. And I like to keep money around for that as well. That's another way you can invest. But the point is you're shifting money away. And so that money was earned through the business, but now it's working whether I'm asleep or not, awake or not, there or not. The, the stocks are growing, the bonds are growing and maturing, and paying interest, the real estate's growing, the real estate's cash flowing. There's two ways you earn money in real estate. So there's money making you money, which is awesome. Now you're an investor. And then those profits are taxed at portfolio or passive income rates, which are lower than when I go out and earn a dollar myself. So that's the model. You, in theory, if you're into business like I am, you could be a, you could be a pure investor. You could be a pure eye if you have enough capital and you get that wheel spinning. You don't even have to have a business. But I love having a business, and I know you do too. So ideally, you want to shift away from an E, even away from an S, and move to the right side of the quadrant and become a business owner that also is an investor, a B and an I. That's where the tax breaks are. That's where the income scalability is. And that's where your time freedom is created because now you can make more money with less involvement. So what's going to happen if you do this, and this might be way down the road for you, I'm just paint. I want to paint the picture for you so that you get excited, so you catch the bug, you catch the vision. What's going to happen is that eventually, your money is going to make more money than you do. When your investments, your business, makes more money than you do when you go to work you're at a crossover point. You now have an option to continue to work or not work. Either way, you're going to have your bills paid. This is a magical point. Some people call it the pinnacle point. It's like you're at the top of the mountain or the top of the hill. And now when you ride down on your bike, it's almost effortless. You're covering the same distance, but without the work. And you can continue to work and pedal if you want to, but you don't have to. So, the point is, there's four ways we all earn income. As an employee, as a self-employed small business owner, as a true business owner, where you have other people doing the work for you, and as an investor. And you get to choose which quadrant you want to earn money in. You can make a good living in all four quadrants. You can build wealth in all four quadrants. You can have a satisfying life in all four quadrants. Question for you is, if you desire to work less and earn more, you're going to have to shift from the left side to the right side. You're going to have to shift from being an E or an S and become a B and an I. And that's possible. That's what I've done. That's been my story. I started as an E. Then I started to start a business when I lost my job. So I went straight from the E to the S, right? And so I was self-employed. And then over the last decade, I've morphed that S-type business, that self-employed, like I'm just freelancing and I'm just doing all the things myself and just running the business. I've shifted into a, a B. So it's a business that literally when I'm not working, when I'm on vacation, when I'm doing a podcast for you because I want to do a podcast for you, 
my business is working for me. The software, the robots, and the people are working for me, and then money's coming in my pocket. So I'm a B, and then I'm an I. And it's funny that you can be an I or an investor when you're in any quadrant. You should be. I was already an investor back when I was an employee. I opened my 401k at my company and put 10% or whatever of my paycheck into there and bought some stocks and bonds through mutual funds. I was an investor, okay? Even as an S, I became an investor when I we moved into another house because we needed more space because now I was working from home, but I didn't want to sell my first house because the market had tanked. I'd lost a lot of, uh, of my equity. So I was like, I'm not going to sell it now. So I turned it into a rental to cover the mortgage at the time so that I can hold on to it till the market recovers, which it did. And now it's worth a lot more than I paid for it, right? Uh, so I became a real estate investor, even as an S. But now I'm a B and an I. I make money in my business and I put a portion of it into investments every single month and a variety of investments, stocks, bonds, real estate, every single month. And that's strategic because business, even though a lot, of, so I know a lot of business owners who don't invest, they're like, I invest in myself. I get that. I get the sentiment behind that because when you say you invest in yourself, you're saying, I want to invest where I have the most control and I can respect that. They don't want to put their money in the stock market because they feel like they have no control, which is kind of true. You can't control what the stock market's going to do. We have a lot of historical data to tell us pretty much what it's going to do for the next hundred years, long-term. I don't know what it's going to do tomorrow. It might go down, might go up, but I know what it's going to be in 20, 30, 40 years. Same thing with real estate. I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow or what's going to happen in the neighborhood, but I know in 30 years, houses are going to cost more than they do now. So they want to invest where there's control. So they say, I'm just going to pour all of my profit back into the business, reinvest in the business. And that is, you should do some of that. That allows you to expand, allows you to grow, allows you to hire, allows you to invest in yourself with education, personal development, all good stuff. I'm just saying, what happens when your business shuts down? What happens when the market turns or there's no longer a need for your product or service or it becomes obsolete or competition blows you out of the water? Something happens that you couldn't predict and your business has to close its doors, but all your money was in your business. That's pretty risky to me because you're not very diversified. You're banking on one thing and one thing only, your company. I love my company. I have two companies now. I love both of them. I invest in them. I hire people to help me with them. I invest in education. I want to grow them. I'm not done with them. I have goals and dreams. But you know what? I have a feeling they will not be around forever. So I invest in other people's companies through the stock market because that's what stocks are. It's other businesses. I'm shoveling money into their businesses and getting a handsome return. And I don't have to work. I don't have to go to board meetings. I don't have to do anything. I just get paid to be a shareholder, an investor. I invest in real estate because people always need a place to live, always will. So I want to own real estate. That's why we bought this place, right? Right downtown in Tampa. I get to work out of it, but it's also a long-term investment. So I don't trust that my business will be around forever. Or what if you just don't want to work anymore? What if you're tired of your business? What if you can't work anymore? What if you get sick or ill? Or what if you need to help someone in your family who's sick or ill and now you can't work? So that's why you become an investor because money can work for you 24-7. So both are great. I'm living in that B and the I quadrants all day, every day, and that's where I want you to be. So my question for you is, as we wrap up, is which quadrant 
are you primarily making most of your income from? Are you primarily an E, an S, self-employed solopreneur, a B, business that runs really, really well without you, a little bit of a team, automation, or an I, an investor? Which one or two quadrants are you primarily making most of your money out of? And then if you want to move to a different quadrant, what are you going to do this week to begin the process of moving to that next quadrant? It may take you a year, may take you a while, but what step are you going to take this week to begin to shift from whatever quadrant you're in that you don't necessarily want to be in to a better quadrant? That's it. If you want to dive in deeper to the concept, I highly recommend Robert Kiyosaki's book, The Cashflow Quadrant. He breaks it all down, a lot of good food for thought, but in its simplest, that's the concept. If you are an employee and you're an E right now and you're saying, that's why I'm listening to this show, Graham, is I want to become a business owner. I didn't know what the cash flow quadrant was, but now I realize that I need to start really a B style business, but maybe that starts with an S style business, or maybe I can jump straight from E to B. I don't know. The way you do that, the best vehicle I know how, as much as I love real estate, expensive, hassle, not the easiest, fastest, cheapest way to get an online business. An online business is the quickest and cheapest and easiest way to move out of that e-employee quadrant. And the best way to start an online business is to watch my passive income workshop. In this workshop, because people get overwhelmed with like, how do I, how do I start an online business? Or I have one, but it doesn't make money. I don't know why. There's four components to any good online business that has passive income. Okay. If you have three of them, but not one of them, it doesn't work. It's like a system. It needs to be this beautiful loop. And if there's a break in the loop, you fall off the track. It doesn't work. So in the workshop, I break down the four components. I teach you how to come up with an idea. If you have no idea of what you're going to sell or how you're going to make money, teach you how to come up with the idea, teach you how to build products that people want to buy, teach you how to sell and who to sell to. I teach you what tools to use. I teach you how to create an automated money machine that you can get going while maybe you're still in an E quadrant, you can start that S quadrant, but with the vision of it becoming a true B type business. And then when that starts to grow, then you can shift into the I quadrant as well and become an investor. You can be an investor right now. But if you want to get started moving out of that E quadrant, watch this passive income workshop. It'll blow your mind. It'll give you a huge leg up. It's what I wish existed when I was getting started. And guess what? It's free. Okay. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash workshop and you can watch it right there. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me for some time today. I know your time is valuable. I hope it's been some good food for thought. And uh, if you're on iTunes, love to have you leave me a review. Let me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in a future episode. I read all of the reviews and I take it all into consideration. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you on another episode real soon.